talk about something. Uh, I want to talk about the blood gospel. The blood gospel. Uh, today, when you watch TV and, uh, or you hear on YouTube or whatever it may be, some type of media, uh, very, very seldom do you ever hear the gospel. And uh, that's shocking to us because we preach the gospel all the time and you become familiar with it. You just think other people do that. But many, many churches hardly ever mention about the death, the blood, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, you listen to that and you say, well, how in the world is anybody getting saved? Well, that's part of the problem. They're not. If they don't put their faith in the gospel of grace, the finished work of Christ, they're not saved. And you have to do that. He's the only way we know that. And I want to clear a couple things up that I think that a lot of times we forget and we just think about the death of Christ and quite often we don't think about the blood of Christ. And uh, the blood of Christ is very, very important. And we'll share that with you. 1 Corinthians 15, this should be in all of our minds and hearts. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's going to be my text. So if you have your Bible, you can just follow along here as I get to it. It's interesting how... How does a person get saved today? And the problem is there are many, many false gospels out there. And these false gospels do not save you. It's only one gospel. And uh, Paul says he didn't care if an angel came and preached another gospel. He says there's wrong. There's only one gospel and it's my gospel. It's the gospel that Christ revealed to the apostle Paul for the dispensation of grace today. And it's very important to get that straight in our minds. Some people say this, to be saved, well, you have to do or have good works. Uh, what they try to do, they try to say, my good works are going to balance, you know, the debts when I stand before God. My good's going to outdo my bad. And uh, so they're trusting then in their works. And by the way, that's most of Christendom. Well, I'm not a bad person. You know, I do a number of things. Well, it's not about you. It's about what Christ did. Amen? Then secondly, some people say you have to be water baptized and have works. And they might use Mark 16, 16, Acts 2, 38. And, uh, you know, uh, those verses actually are to Israel, and they're not even to the body of Christ. And uh, But they'll use those verses, and people like Church of Christ or uh, many of the Christian churches use those verses for that. And then some people, uh, they say, well, you have to be baptized and keep the sacraments. Of course, that's the Church of Rome, the Roman Catholic Church. And they really focus on baptism because they believe that washes away original sin. But then you have to maintain the rest of the sacraments, especially the Mass, in order to maintain your salvation. And what it's doing, uh, they're saying Christ's work is not enough. Uh, they're saying you need to do other things too beside Christ's work. And we would disagree with that wholeheartedly. And then fourthly, some people say, well, you have to be baptized and have evidence of miraculous signs. 
and they use Mark 16, verse 16 through verse 20. And uh, big things are speaking in tongues, uh, healings, having an experience. And usually this is the Pentecost or the apostolic or the charismatics that follow that. Then some people say this, well, you must obey and live out the law's commandments. Uh, that's Judaism. Uh, and uh, the problem with that, the law never could save you. The law shows you're a sinner and you need a savior. Amen. But uh, about Israel and Judaism, we know that today, temporarily, they are deaf to truth. They are blind to to truth, and they've been temporarily set aside until the rapture of the church we go up, then God resumes his dealings with Israel, correct? And then some people say, well, you must obey, live out the law's commandments, but also you need to have faith, be baptized, follow the law, keep the Sabbath, follow Ellen White's writings, and eat clean food. Who would that be? Seventh-day Adventists. They would, they, they would say that to you. Or these next two are really big. They say you have to believe more than the cross's work. Also, you have to believe that Jesus Christ went to hell. And in hell, he suffered from the demonic attacks on him. And uh, while in hell, he took on the nature of Satan. And in hell, Jesus was born again so that he could rise from the grave. That's a word of faith, believers, who believe that. And that would be people like Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Meyer, Carrie Job, Bill Johnson of Bethel, Jesse Duplantis, Creflo Dollar, Benny Hinn, and several others. And the truth in what they're saying is, it's a complete denial of the cross's work. And uh, they're saying it's not enough. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it, the cross, is the power of God. Amen? I'm grateful for that. And then, incorrectly, error, some say the blood has nothing in it or it helps nothing to save. It was only Christ's death that redeems. Blood is only symbolic of Christ's death. And that was by John MacArthur. Years ago, there was a fellow by the name of Dr. Thiem. I think he was out of Dallas. And people would sit around, listen to his tapes. And he said this, This will be hard for some of you because all your life you've been hypnotized by such hymns as power in the blood, washed in the blood of the Lamb, and there is a fountain filled with blood you think somehow there is efficacy 
That means the power to bring about your desired results. In the blood that came from Emmanuel's veins, and there isn't. There isn't anything special about that blood. Dr. MacArthur said, the blood is a symbol of the death of Christ. It isn't that the blood itself had some quality. It is giving of his life itself that had some quality. References to the blood are symbolic references to the death he died. There is nothing in the blood to save. Or Jesus could have bled on people and not died. In other words, they're saying the blood of Christ was never redemptive. MacArthur says the blood of Christ was never redemptive blood. It was the death of Christ. If you're going to make the blood redemptive, in what sense? Was it splattered on somebody? That was kind of mocking, okay? There's nothing in the blood to save. And, of course, we disagree with that wholeheartedly. You remember in Exodus 12, 13, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. He didn't say when I see the animal sacrifice. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Paul said it like this in Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his, ah, the forgiveness of sins. Now, we know it took the death of Christ, but it took the death of Christ in shedding his blood. That's what's important. You know, Satan, he's the great deceiver, and he creates different false counterfeit gospels. First of all, he gets people to believe in a, counterfeit gospel that's a perversion of the truth he gets most to think they can be saved by what they do of themselves the reason that's so appealing to people is that people are full of pride and they always want to pat themselves on the back at what they do and so pride is is very you know he was the one who was lifted up with pride, Satan was. Remember that? And he's passed it on. And people want to do something. But my Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast or use his pride. And then he even uses Christ's name. He'll use the cross. And then he'll add something that's required of them, something that they can do themselves, like faith plus baptism, faith plus membership, faith plus money, faith plus rich, religious rituals or idols, faith plus Mary, faith plus sorrow, faith plus surrender. Even Baptists are good at that. <coughs> Excuse me. Baptists are good at you give your life to Christ and surrender it all, he can save you. No, you need to get saved before you could ever do anything like that, right? And we know that. But if they say faith plus, 
If any work of man is added, then salvation ceases to be faith through grace alone. And that's what's at stake here. Today, all that God asks of us is to believe. To believe that Jesus is Christ is the Son of God. He died, shed his blood on an old rugged cross. They buried him, and three days later, he rose from the grave victoriously. Just believe that's enough to save you, and he'll save you. Nothing else. I wrote this down uh, yesterday when I was thinking of this. We're sinners. We ourselves can't work or do anything to take away our sin. But through the word of God, we hear, we see, we learn that Jesus Christ is God's son. He took our debt of sin upon himself. Thus, he took our death because of sin, our death upon himself on the cross. He died and shed his blood to make the final, only, last payment for all our sin. Then he was buried and rose again to life. What he alone accomplished is more than enough to save anyone who with a true heart and faith believes in the gospel of grace. Now, I think that's pretty simple, isn't it? Today's point is this here. The grace gospel is not a bloodless gospel. I think we miss it sometimes. I was listening to a preacher this week. He said this, Christ had, his, he had wounds in five places. His head from the crown, his back where he's whipped, his hands, his feet, and his side. Likewise, the gospel has five things that are also true. And so I built on that. I thought it was a good point. 1 Corinthians 15 again, verse 3 and 4. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Paul says, what I believed in and received by faith, that's what I'm delivering to you. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried, the next verse, verse 4, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now I'm going to break those verses down. It said how that Christ died. He didn't just die, but he shed his blood. Hebrews 9.22 says this, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood there is there what? Blood is no remission. 1 John 1, 7 says this. The last part of that verse, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It was a bloody death for a reason. It was Christ's death with his shed blood. Jesus had to shed his blood in order to save us. He died shedding his blood because that's what the Father required, a blood sacrifice. God himself started that. Genesis 3.21 says this, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make 
coats of skins. Sacrifice with blood. Amen? Then he says in Leviticus, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. That was carried on in the temple with all the sacrifices until the final sacrifice came on Calvary's cross, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Christ died. For, then it says, secondly, for our sins. Colossians 2.14 says this, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. The reason Christ died on that cross was for our sin. Now, we have to come to the point that we have to recognize when we're saved, it wasn't just for everybody else, but it was for my sin. That's when it becomes personal salvation. Huh? He died for my sins, and thank God he died for them all. The father had to see and accept his son's death and blood. And I'm, great, I'm, I'm, glad to, I'm grateful today to report to you that he loves us. We were so far away in our sin, dead in sin and trespasses. And God says this in Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. The third thing about our text, and that he was buried. Jesus Christ was buried in a tomb. It states in Matthew 12, 40. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the well's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus Christ did die and go to hell. Not to be punished. He went to the paradise compartment. Amen. If you know, you study Lazarus, and rich man, there was hell, but it was divided into two compartments. One, torment, the other, paradise. Christ, when he went to the heart of the earth, went to paradise. He was not down there being tortured because of our sin. He had paid the price on the cross. Amen? Now notice something about the ground and the earth. A word about Abel, Genesis 4.10. And he said, what hast thou done to Cain? The voice of thy brother's blood, Abel's blood, crieth unto me from the ground. The earth, the ground, human blood, it speaks out, it cries out, it testifies of what has happened. Likewise, what about God's blood, deity's blood? It speaks Hebrews 12, 24 says this, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Amen? I'm grateful for that. 
<coughs> Excuse me, I'm having a little trouble this morning. My throat's dry. I have to correct Carol so much, it just makes me, my throat just dries up. But his blood still speaks today. And you know what it says? Come. Come to my finished work. Trust in it, and it will save you. And then the fourth thing in our text, and that he rose again the third day. Now let me ask you this question. Did Jesus' blood stay in the ground? John 20, 17 is interesting. Jesus saith unto Mary, her, touch me not. Now get this. For I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father to my God and your God. He said, Mary, don't touch me. I'm going to heaven. You know, I've been to ground three days, three nights in paradise compartment, but now I'm I'm going to heaven, and there's a reason I'm going. And then he states in verse 19, Then the same night at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were, assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in their midst. Now let me say something to you. Two verses prior to that, he went to heaven. Now he's back. Why did he go to heaven? Hebrews 9, 11, and 12. But Christ become an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. Christ gathered his blood and took it to the heavenly tabernacle. And he went to the holy place to the mercy seat where he sprinkled his blood upon it. He didn't sprinkle his death. He sprinkled his blood upon the mercy seat. Amen? Now remember, the earthly tabernacle that the Jews used was a pattern after the original one that's in heaven. Hebrews 9.24 For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands which are the figures of the true but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. It's the original tabernacle, the original temple in a sense. And why did he go there? 1 Peter 1, 2 said, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, now get this, through the sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. He sprinkled his blood upon that heavenly mercy seat. And when the moment you believe in Christ and his finished work, his death, blood, burial, resurrection, his blood washes away all your 
sin. His then, his righteousness is placed to your account, making you always accepted in the beloved because now you're justified when you believe. Now you're redeemed. Amen? Woo! Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For he hath made him Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God. How? In him. The moment you believe in the gospel of grace, at that moment he takes you out of Adam and he places you in Christ and you're surrounded, you're in the righteousness of Christ. And when God sees you, he doesn't see you in Adam as lost on your way to hell. He sees you now as he sees his son, perfect, holy, righteous in his son. And because that's who you are now in Christ, you're always accepted because you're in his son. Amen? Romans 4, 5 says this, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Amen? That's how you get God's righteousness is by faith in the finished work of Christ. Stop trying to work your way to heaven. Stop trusting anything else. Trust only in the finished work of Christ. And he says in verse 25, who was delivered for our offenses, the cross, and was raised again for our justification. Because we are believers now, God has given us a right, correct standing before Almighty God that gives us the privilege and the sources to be able to say, God, bam, and he hears us because we have a right standing before him. What a privilege we have as children of God. That's why he says, and I use the verse again, Ephesians 1, 7, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. It's all by grace. We're redeemed. You know, redeemed means God has purchased, purchased us out of the slave market of sin. He's purchased us out of sin and has set us free. We're free from sin now. Now, now don't miss this. So as never to return to the slave market of sin ever again. That's what the gospel does for us. We're setting pretty good in Christ. Do you know that? We really are. And the last thing, and I should get an amen he, he says in, at the end of verse 3 and the end of verse 4, 1 Corinthians 15, according to the scriptures, the word confirms it was by the death and blood of Jesus Christ that ransoms our souls from sin. It's not because I say it. It's not because the church says it. It's not because man says it, but because the word of God says it. That's why. 
Now, don't miss this last part. I'm about closing up here. You can't preach the gospel that saves without the blood of Jesus. You hear that? And you can't preach the blood without preaching the death in that gospel. They intertwine with one another. It takes both. It takes the death of Christ with his shed blood. It takes both. So remember this, Acts 20, 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed, to pastor the church of God. Now get this. The church of who? God, which he, God, hath purchased with his, God, own blood. God shed his blood. Jesus Christ is God. Amen? And he shed his own blood for us. Later on in the ministry of Israel, and the little flock began to understand Paul's message somewhat. Peter wrote this in 1 Peter chapter 1. For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed, set free, with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation behavior received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. You see, since it was God's blood, it was perfect, sinless blood. That's why it was able for one time, one place, able to wash away all sin. Thank God for that. Now the question is here, if your heart were to stop beating this moment, or if you were to leave here and get in a wreck and you die, would you know that you were going to heaven because you have been saved? The only way that you can be saved is to put your faith in the death, shed blood with it, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done that, all you need to do is say, I see this now. I believe it's for me, for my sin. I believe this. And when you believe it's at that moment, the transaction takes place. You go from a child of the devil to a child of God. Will you believe this morning in that gospel message that the Bible says is true. Father, we love you. We can't thank you enough for Calvary's cross that brought about the death and shed blood of your precious son. And it was all for me and it was all for each individual person here who will believe. I pray that you'd speak to hearts today. And if there's somebody here who's never believed in Christ, may this morning, this moment, may they believe in you. And we'll give you the glory. And for us that are already saved, 
because there was a time in our life when we believed it. You wonderfully saved us. May we never, ever get over the old story. The simplicity of Christ and Calvary. God, make it fresh and anew in our minds and our thinking. Not just to take it for granted, but that it's real. It was for me, and now it's my turn to tell somebody else about it. God, help us. Thank you for Grace Point. Thank you where we have the freedom to be able to tell the truth. We give you all the glory for anything good that ever happens through your word. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We hope you received a blessing from today's service. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpindy.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. For more options to watch, just click On Demand on the website. Until next broadcast, may God bless you is our prayer.